Hashtag murder may contain explicit and disturbing material and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Millennials who love murder and spooky season, and it's still spooky season. It is we got spooky season. we got one episode left in spooky season. Mm-hmm. Um, we also love feeling. Well, we don't love this, but I felt extremely old this past week. <laughs> I was surrounded by like early twenty somethings. Aww. Um, it was bad. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how out of touch I was. <laughs> Is that how Dustin feels and Clinton feels when they spend time with, with us? us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I did meet a friend who is my age. That's good. And, you know, everyone else was like, hang it. They were partying. They were going to each other's rooms. They were meeting down at the bar. And this friend that I met, we agreed. We didn't even talk about it. We just agreed that we weren't going to hang out mm-hmm. after we were done. But we would text each other yeah. from our rooms. Yes. In our pajamas with a blanket watching TV. <laughs> yep. That reminds me of my friend Meg from Kickball. Yeah. Um, we just set each other memes and reels on Instagram and text each other. Yeah. Like, we don't need to hang out. We don't need to hang out. We did have a discussion. We do, we do hang out, but more often than not, we're just sending each other memes. <laughs> yeah. We had a discussion. I was like, I was like, I don't need any more friends. I do like you. <laughs> and she said the same thing. She's like, girl, I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my god, but it was a good time. Uh, learned a lot, and it was exhausting, but it was a good time. There we go. Just felt super out of touch. Yeah. Super old. We're uh, in the land of boxes <laughs> right now, because me and Kendra are in the middle of packing and moving. Yeah, there's boxes everywhere. There's I feel like you don't everywhere. realize how much stuff you have until you have to pack it up. Yeah. And then you're like, how did this happen and then half my shit is still not packed up i feel like i'm surrounded by fucking boxes (laughs) stuff on stuff on stuff Uh, oh my god well here's our next spooky installment and we're gonna get a tale from alex we're going to texas texas and arkansas (laughs) at the same time (laughs) oh my so we're gonna discuss the phantom of texarkana I have been to Texarkana. Have you really? I have. That's really fucking cool. Um, drove through. I think we stopped to get either lunch or dinner there, but it was on Kylie and Lauren and I's Westworld tour. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we drove through that. Uh, but this is exciting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I can't say I don't know anything about it because, well, okay. She's I didn't probably heard. Know. <laughs> she's probably heard about it and doesn't remember. I didn't know anything about it, and then I watched the movie. Oh, the movie's really which good. Which we'll, we'll discuss that at the end. Yep. <laughs> if you want Scarlett to learn about something, just tell her to watch a movie. Yeah, that's how I can get information. Not just watch the movie, watch the movie with subtitles, because mm-hmm. if the subtitles aren't on, you can't, you can't, can't hear, hear it. it. No. <laughs> we have to read our TV. We do. Oh my god. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so over a 10-week period in Texarkana, which is a town that shares a border with, you guessed it, Texas and Arkansas and nearby Louisiana, there were a series of four unsolved murders and attacks. Wow. Over the two and a half month span from February 22nd 
1946 to May 3rd, 1946, someone attacked eight people, killing five of them. Damn. Yep. The Phantom targeted male-female couples, and the first three attacks occurred at well-known uh, lovers' lanes. They were lovers. They were lovers. <laughs> And the fourth attack happened at a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere and were later coined the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is spooky. So this phantom has never been found or identified to this day and the cases are unsolved. Which I fucking hate. hate. I hate that so much. The authorities did have a suspect that stood out more than the rest, but they never had enough evidence to press charges and get a conviction. Well, maybe they should have tried a little bit harder. Yeah, maybe. Get in there. George W., he would have made it happen. <laughs> Do your... My name's George W., and I'm gonna make sure that these Texarkana... Is that where we're at? Phantom murders are solved. <laughs> It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> I didn't do 9-11. It wasn't me. <laughs> okay. So, Texarkana was known for being a perfect little suburbia town. Mm -hmm. It's great for growing and raising a family and just like living a quiet life. The picket fence. White picket fence and Stepford Wives and all that good shit. Mm-hmm. After World War II, Texarkana became a sort of transportation hub for shoulders. Shoulders, you did it. I did it. You did it. <laughs> did you think I was going to do that? I did see that word in there, and it was like, uh, shoulders, shoulders. Because it always I'm always an American happens. shoulder. <laughs> well, for soldiers. the soldiers <laughs> returning from deployments, and crime started to uh, skyrocket when this happened, especially on nights and weekends. Well, that's whenever you it's raise the, hell. It's the devil's hour. Nothing good happens on nights and weekends. <laughs> Can't break the laws when you're drinking the claw. <laughs> there are no laws if you're, you're drinking, drinking the claw. <laughs> so the community just uh, ignored this healthy, you know. Ignored it? Yeah. They refused to acknowledge the problems they were having and wanted to continue to believe that their town remained their own little quiet oasis. Oh, uh, they were in denial. Yes. Oh, uh, right. We love that. The first of the four attacks occurred on February 22nd, 1946. Jimmy Hollis was 25. And his girlfriend, Mary Jean Larry, 19, had gone on a date together earlier in the night to see a movie, and they stopped down a secluded road mm -hmm. to spend a little quality time together before Jimmy dropped Mary Jean off at her home. The road was about 300 feet away from the closest house, so it was fairly secluded, and the couple felt safe and alone. But were they? Dun 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 dun. <laughs> so, after being parked about, like, 10 minutes... The couple was just chatting about the movie and each other, their relationship, because they had just recently started dating and they were still kind of getting to know one another. Jimmy had stepped out of the car for a moment to look up at the stars in the sky. That's romantic. So romantic. And if you're in the middle of nowhere, it's beautiful. if you don't get out of your car and look up at those stars, what are you doing with your life? I know. Get out there. But then suddenly, Jimmy had a gun and a flashlight pointing at his face. Oh my. So at first, Jimmy thought it was some kind of like fucked up prank and asked what was going on. Yeah, no mm -hmm. one expects to be, be like, ambushed in the middle of the night when you're on a date. Ugh. Yeah. So Jimmy told the man that he had the wrong guy and the phantom told him that he didn't want to kill him and he needed to listen to what he told him to do. The phantom instructed Jimmy to take off his pants. So he did. Take off his pants. Take off your pants. Take huh. off take off your pants right now. <laughs> so Jimmy did as he was told, but as he was doing so, the phantom became impatient because he wasn't doing it fast enough. And he attacked Jimmy with the butt of the gun and slammed it into his head. Oh. 
Mary Jean was freaking the fuck out yeah. and jumped out of the car and tried to give the attacker Jenny's wallet in the hopes that that would make him go away. Yeah, take the wallet. Take mm-hmm. You can take the car if you want to. Yeah. Just leave us alone, please. Yep. Mary actually told investigators she heard a crunch when the gun hit Jimmy's head and it was <gasps> so loud that she thought he had actually been shot. <gasps> that he probably like broke his skull or something. Wow. So, when in reality, she was hearing the bones in his skull be crushed by uh, a blow of the butt of the gun. Oh my god. Yeah. Damn. Fucking hit the shit out of him. All this did was <sighs> piss the phantom off. So then he hit her in the head with the butt of the gun, just like he did to Jimmy, and she hit the ground hard. After she struggled to get back onto her feet after the blow to her head, the phantom told her to, quote, run. (laughs) I hate that. Just like, That's like some horror horror movie shit. (laughs) Run. So, Uh. Mary takes the fuck off. Yeah. Um, she was hoping that she could, like, run into a home and call for help before the Phantom caught up with her. Mary came upon an older model car and banged on the hood until she realized no one was inside. Oh. Because it was the attacker's vehicle. <gasps> oh, no. Yep. Oh, no. So after a few minutes, Mary heard quick footsteps behind her and knew the attacker had changed her mind, or his mind, about letting her go. Running footsteps, footsteps behind you. Oh, that is so unnerving. Uh-huh. I don't. I can't. (laughs) So when he caught up with her, he asked her why she ran, and she told him she was only following the instructions he gave her. He told her to run. This man's unhinged, so this pissed him off. So he struck her in the head again, and she hit the ground hard. Oh, God. And her already, like, wounded head wound started bleeding even more. Oh. So now this is a trigger warning for some sexual assault. So if you cannot listen to that, skip about a minute. Okay. Yeah. So, the Phantom then sexually assaulted Mary with a metal object, probably the gun. Oh, my. Which points towards the killer having a sexual sadism disorder. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. Uh, He didn't give a shit about Jim's wallet or letting Mary go. He wanted to beat and torture the couple because that's the only way he can accomplish sexual satisfaction. Ew. Yep. Trigger warning over. Oh, God. So terrible. Once the man was uh, finished torturing Mary, he took off as quickly as he showed up to uh, torment the couple. Mary quickly seized her opportunity and ran to the closest house she could find to call for help. Mm. Eventually, someone did answer, and the police were called, and an ambulance was dispatched to find Jimmy. Jimmy was barely hanging on to life when EMTs arrived, and he quickly slipped into a coma after reaching the hospital. Oh, Jimmy. Authorities didn't waste any time and started to interview Mary Jean, who described the attacker as a black man about six feet tall that was wearing a white burlap mask with eye holes cut into it. That's terrifying. Yep. Nightmares. Which strangely reminded authorities of a case four years prior of a white woman named Julia Jewell accusing a man of mixed race, Edward Coy, of trying to kidnap and rape her. Before a proper and thorough investigation could occur, the community had shot and burned poor edward alive what mm-hmm. yeah and uh, then everyone just went back to their normal day-to-day lives as if nothing happened at all so they collectively just, killed a man yeah just normal white suburban racist bullshit there was no repercussion no nothing nope that's fantastic yep. Yep. you could just uh be a vigilante and kill a man without even knowing if he's guilty actually or not. did it yep Ugh. so authorities questioned mary on who she thought the attacker was They were convinced it could not have been a random attack based on the sexual assault and how violent it was. Oh, 
plus they were secluded- random. Plus they were in a secluded area. Mary claimed to not know who the attacker was, didn't recognize his voice, and stated that he was wearing a mask, so there was no discernible details she could have given them. When Jimmy awoke from the coma, he was uh, in for like two fucking weeks. Damn. Authorities questioned him as well, and he gave them a completely different description of the phantom and described him as being a six-foot-tall white man who was not wearing a mask at all. Oh. Hmm. Well, so, eyewitness testimony. Yeah, and I mean, you just you woke could, up out of a coma. Like, who the fuck knows? Yeah, you could totally be making it up and not be meaning, meaning to, to make it up. Yeah. yeah, and trauma, you know. So authorities were concerned about the couple's completely different descriptions about the attacker, but it could just be that both were traumatized during the event and it was affecting their memory. Exactly. Natural things. Yeah. Witness statements and accounts can be very different, which we just said. So I'm not surprised at all that their stories did not match up. Yeah. It was a man. <laughs> it was a man. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that can explain the variant stories is the head trauma for the couple because they both had it. Oh. Jimmy got struck with the gun twice. Yeah. So did Mary. So, you know. Hmm. But at first, authorities believed Jimmy over Mary. Because, you know, men were more trustworthy than women back then. Oh, yeah. The man who was in a coma for two weeks knows so much more more than the lady. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he could have. But, like, yeah. yeah. I know what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So authorities assumed that Mary was protecting someone and didn't want them to go to jail. Protecting someone? Yeah, from rape. Yeah. She was sexually assaulted with a weapon? Yeah, and they thought she was protecting someone. Mm, I don't think that one's accurate yep so they shot for sure the attack had to be personal since it was so brutal and mary was sexually assaulted but who would know that they were there yeah them specifically in that specific Look, spot yeah i mean they could have been followed but you know oh, who oh well yeah i guess they could have been followed because they ended up clearing mary's ex-husband because he had an alibi and that oh. was their only role lead because they thought maybe she was protecting him oh hmm also, having an ex-husband already at 19 years old. I was going to say, wasn't rough. she like 18? 19, yeah. Oh, Mary. So, Get it together, honey. With this assumption that Mary was just protecting someone, investigators did not want to waste any more resources on the case since they assumed the attack was personal and would not happen again. Mm. So they're like, oh, it won't happen again, whatever. Let's just let it dry up. Unfortunately for the citizens of Texarkana and authorities... So wait, did they both live? They both lived? They both lived. Oh, yeah. okay. All right, sorry. Go on. Um, this piece of shit was just getting started. Oh my. Within just a few weeks after the attack on Jimmy and Mary Jean, the whole town had pretty much forgotten about what happened and they went back to their little Stepford Wives lives. Which is wild. Fucking wild. I don't know how you just forget that. I bet they still left their doors unlocked. They probably did. Uh. Jimmy actually moved to Louisiana after the attacks and Mary Jean went to Oklahoma. Both of them knew deep down the attacks wouldn't stop with them, and they couldn't stress it to the police enough, but they didn't take the couple seriously, and they both didn't want to live there anymore. They're like, we're traumatized. We're getting the fuck out of here if y'all aren't going to do anything, and he tried to kill us, so Mm -hmm. we're assuming he's still trying to To kill kill us. us. Yeah. And they probably know where they live. Yep. Oh, my. About one month later, on March 23rd, 1946, Richard Griffin, 29, and Polly Ann Moore, 17, would become the first murder victims of the Phantom. Were they a couple? Mm -hmm. 29 and 17? 29 and 17. Just making sure I heard you right. 29 and 17. (laughs) All right. Uh, Richard and Polly had just started dating. They'd only been seeing each other about six weeks when the murders occurred. Mm -hmm. The couple was found dead by a passing motorist in a parked car along a lover's lane just south of U.S. Highway 67 West in Texas. At first, this, like, good Samaritan motorist thought that the couple was just asleep and wanted to check on them. Yeah. 
But when he saw the blood splatter on the car and ground, he knew that this was not what he thought. They weren't just sleeping. No, they were not just sleeping. So he drove to a phone as quickly as he could to call into the crime to the police. Yeah. Can you imagine having to drive to a phone? Drive to a phone. (laughs) Like... I'll just pull out my iPhone and call. Oh, wait, no, I don't have that. No, that doesn't exist yet. You got to drive and you have to know where the nearest phone is. Yeah. In order to. I can't go anywhere without a GPS. (laughs) No, I wouldn't make it here to your home without a GPS. I can now make it to your home without a GPS, but it probably took me a good six times. Oh, yeah. Every Mm -hmm. time I come here and I feel like it takes me a different way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this doesn't look familiar. Yeah. And every time I leave, I have no idea what road I'm getting on. She's like, I don't, I don't know, know. Where I'm, at. I'm just vibing. I'm just following the, the little map. Just vibing. <laughs> the little triangle on the map. <laughs> Unfortunately, more than just the police force showed up to this crime scene, and a large group of citizens also came in tow to see what the fuss was all about. So exciting. So... Police failed to... They're contaminating the crime scene. They contaminated the fuck out of the crime scene. Oh, Lord. Police failed to close off the crime scene to all the onlookers, and it was completely contaminated by this massive amount of nosy Nancys. Yeah. People trampled all over the footprints, and they pushed the car close to the road after they were all told that the evidence was fucked anyway. What? So, Griffin, the guy, Richard Griffin, was found on his knees with his head resting between them in the front seats. So, basically, he's, like, kind of sitting, and his head's, like, between his knees, like, oh. Yeah. Um, and Polly Ann was found laying face down in the back seat, and it appeared that her body had been staged there after being killed on a blanket laid outside of the car. Ah, so they weren't killed in the car. They were killed outside of the car. Oh. Um, some definite patterns occurred in this crime that matched up with the attack on Jimmy and Mary. Yeah. Richard was also forced to take his pants off and was attacked while doing so and shot in the back of the head. See? It's Mm -hmm. not a one-off. Yep. We're unsure if Polly Ann was sexually assaulted during this attack. Nothing in the reports indicated that she was, but there was a local rumor flying around that she was indeed raped by the phantom. Oh, I mean, we can only assume that was his thing. Yeah. So, um, mm. on top of that, Polly Moore's body was embalmed and buried before there was a proper autopsy conducted. Why? Stupid. I don't know. It's a great question. What? Yeah. Like, just... Bury the girl. Bury the girl's fine. It's whatever. We We don't don't need need evidence. No. Uh, Griffin had been shot twice along with a blow to the back of the head and placed back inside of the car, while Polly was only shot in the back of the head. Congealed blood on the ground outside of the vehicle pointed towards the couple being killed outside of the car and then moved back in. So I think he was either trying to clean up the scene a little bit or, like, prolong the discovery of the bodies. I was just about to say... I think it's probably... prolonging the discovery of the bodies yeah so they weren't just like laying outside yeah um yeah wait how many days had passed since they had been murdered or do it could they even tell how many days it had been it had only been a couple days oh, okay hmm. um so it was also rumored that there was a conspiracy happening within the police department and um. authorities were accused of withholding information from the public to prevent further panic and that they knew a lot more than they were letting on they were withholding yep that's what i thought that was a a football term. They were holding. <laughs> I thought it was withholding, not holding. <laughs> throw, throw the yellow laundry. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, and uh, at this point, no one thought that the two murders were, or two attacks were connected. The police didn't, or the, the citizens didn't, Both. or neither. Both. So almost two exact crime scenes. No. No. They're not, no. No, they're not the same. Don't be silly. We don't have a psycho serial murderer on Which our I hands. Which I thought was weird because, like, you have 
two crimes that are almost identical, except one couple died and the other didn't. Identical. Identical? <laughs> I tell you what. These crimes are identical, and we are we are going to find out who did this. <laughs> uh, thanks, George. So, George W. is Bush. George W. Bush. Bush. Ew. Yeah. What a gross. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hate that. We sent in the Texas Rangers. Oh, like really? They really sent oh, in the Texas I Rangers. You were just saying that. Uh, they were called in to help uh, with the investigation. Uh, okay. Uh, and they were not very thrilled about how it was being handled by the local department there. Yeah, well, they're, they're not doing anything. Yeah. They're burying the people before they even figure out exactly what went on. Yeah. So, so uh, between the evidence being contaminated and the autopsies not being done, uh, they're pissed. Yeah. But they were able to recover a bullet casing from the scene that was a thirty-two caliber. Hmm. This didn't help too much since it was such a common gun at the time, but it was something. Well, they got one piece of evidence. One piece. <laughs> Good job, guys. Your one piece of evidence. Within a few days, both the Texas Rangers and the local department hauled in almost 60 people for questioning in the crimes. Oh. But this led to zilch. Nothing. Yep, yep, not hmm. shit. After reading about the second attack in the newspaper, Mary Jean, who we know survived the first attack, mm-hmm. actually traveled back to Texarkana to tell the police she thought it was the same person who attacked her. But they didn't believe her. <sighs> so sweet of them. Yeah. Less than a month later, we would have our second double murder. Ah! Oh Um, my god. Do you think... I know we don't know who this is. Do you think it was just one person? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Because they're killing two people. Or they're controlling two people. Mm -hmm. On Sunday, April 14th, at 1.30 in the morning, 17-year-old Paul Martin picked up 15-year-old Betty Jo Booker. Betty Jo Booker? She's the youngest victim at 15. Uh. Uh... she was at a, like, musical performance at the VFW Club. Oh, mm-hmm. that's sweet. Yep. She was in the band. Yep. On West 4th and Oak Street in Texarkana. Betty Jo played the saxophone. Oh, get out of here. I thought, I thought here. that was cute. Uh, Paul was one of her childhood BFFs, and they were going to spend some time together before Paul dropped her off at a sleepover with some other friends from school. Mm. I think that he had a crush on her. Yeah. So after Paul picked up Betty... They headed up to Spring Lake Park for a little alone time and privacy. Spring Lake Park was very popular at the time among teenagers and was another well-known lover's lane. Yep. Less evidence is known about this one as far as the timeline of events go, but it does appear that the killer abducted the two teenagers in his own vehicle, then drove them a few miles from where they were, were to finish the attack. Oh, that's different. That's very different. Hmm. wonder He's, uh, what gro- the point of that was. Growing in confidence. Oh, yeah. I'm going to kidnap them first, first and then terrify gonna... them yeah. and then kill them. Oh, I hate that. Uh, but the bodies would be discovered just five hours later. Five hours? Five hours. Oh. Paul Martin's body would be discovered by a family driving by, laying on his side at North Park Road, about four miles from where the teenagers had parked the car at Spring Lake Road. Ugh. Or Spring Lake Park. Paul had been shot four times, once in the face through his nose, once in the back that went through his ribs, in his right hand, and from behind through the back of his hand. Wow. So, so he was clearly trying to he was struggling. get away. He was fine. He was fighting. Or defend himself. Yeah. Yep. Either way. Blood was found on the fence and the ground across the road from where Paul's body was discovered, which made investigators think that he was probably shot and then tried to crawl across the road to get help. Oh, God. What a hopeless feeling that must have been. Yep. Ugh. 
at least this time, police did the bare minimum and they blocked off the crime scene before it was completely destroyed. Oh, good. I know. Glad they finally did their job. Yep. Paul was able to be identified quickly and he also had his date book slash calendar on him at the time. His date book? I feel like Clinton would have a date book. <laughs> He probably did. did. (laughs) I had a customer the other day that came in with a full zip agenda Uh with like notes. And I was like, are you from this time period? Are you you a time traveler? (laughs) How old are you? I know. (laughs) But on that calendar, it it just supposedly it was written in that he was going to go meet up with Betty Jo. Mm. But Betty Jo hadn't been discovered yet. And her mother was starting to worry because she had not come home from the slumber party yet. Oh, was she was going to be gone all night. She's gonna be anyway. Gone all night. She's going to a slumber party, uh, not at her house. Oh, no. And apparently it was weird because Betty Jo always dropped her saxophone off at home before she went out for sleepovers. Yeah, it's kind of lame to take your saxophone <laughs> to a sleepover. <laughs> oh. But he didn't do that. Oh. Or she didn't do that. Yeah. So Betty Jo's mother starts calling around looking for her daughter, and it didn't take too long for her to discover that Betty never even made it to the sleepover. Yeah, because she never dropped off her saxophone. Yep. Search parties commenced quickly, and since Betty Jo was popular and well-liked around school and in town, everyone piled in their cars and started looking for her. No. Oh. So just before noon on April 14th, Betty Jo's body was discovered by a member of the search party that happened to be one of her classmates from school. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, my. Betty Jo was found three miles from where the car was parked, and she had been shot twice, once through the head and another through the heart. She was fully clothed and had one hand positioned inside of her coat pocket. Oh. So was she further away? No, she was three miles away, and the other guy was four miles away. Oh. Authorities still had not linked this murder with the previous two crimes. Of course they hadn't. No. What? They were getting a little closer. Stupid. Oh, they also didn't rope off the area that Betty Jo's body was discovered. So they roped off the boys' area, but, but not, not the girls. Yeah. Um, and a few things were different with this scene than the ones before. It seemed to police that the killer was getting more sloppy with cleaning up after himself, probably because he was growing his confidence and didn't think he was going to get caught. Yeah. Well, I mean... Because, I mean, they're not doing anything. They ain't doing shit. <laughs> so... And the crimes are just getting more violent and gruesome. Yeah. And I bet the actual killer was in that original 60 that were questioned. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And if he didn't get caught then, why is he going to get caught now? Yeah, especially if they're asking stupid-ass questions and they have no idea what's going on. Oh, I hate it. So the investigators are still giving conflicting information to the press and the public. The local PD claimed that Betty Joe was not sexually assaulted, but the FBI and Texas Rangers said that she was. I'm going to believe the Rangers. I'm going to believe the Rangers as well. And, and the, the FBI. F- and the FBI. The Federal Bureau of Investigation. The Federal Booby Inspectors. <laughs> <laughs> Remember those shirts? Yes. They were such a big deal. <laughs> I bet you Dustin owned one. I guarantee he did. Meanwhile, the entire town is finally taking this threat seriously. And every store that sold, like, guns or weapons, knives, all that stuff, they sold out within three days. So people are... People are freaking out. They're frantic. They got their defenses up. Six people. Six, fi- six people are dead now? Not six people Five are dead. Five people. Five people. Uh, no, four people are dead. Oh, Jimmy and... Uh, Jimmy and uh, Mary. They're Mary good. Jean. Yeah, they're, they're fine. good. Six people attacked. Yep. Four are dead. Uh, and we have five I would not be going total. to Lover's Lanes in this town. No. At odd hours. So everybody's just like waiting and like tense for the next attack to happen. Ugh. They wouldn't have to wait long, though. Three weeks after the third attack, on Friday, May 3rd, around 9 p.m., 
37-year-old Virgil Starks was shot in the back of his head while sitting in a chair in his living room reading the newspaper. Uh, oh, in his in house. His, in his home. Oh. Virgil was shot through a double-plated glass window on the front porch. The killer had quietly snuck up onto the front porch, killed Virgil, and it like the shot killed him instantly. So he's getting real... This one, though, I'm not convinced that it's the same guy, just because the M.O. is so different. Oh, um, oh maybe it was someone else who was, like, I'm empowered by yeah. this these yeah. person who's doing these random attacks. Yeah, this one's included, but I'm oh. not fully convinced on this one. Yeah. Virgil Stark's wife, Katie, was already in bed when the shots occurred and rushed to the living room and found her husband's lifeless body bleeding on the floor. Oh, Katie. Katie screamed and started to run towards the phone to call for help. The phantom shot her twice in the head before she could reach the phone, and the bullets shattered her jaw and teeth. Oh, God. Katie, Was he in the house or still outside of the house? Still, in, She was in the house at this point. Oh. Katie didn't die, though, and she stayed alert. She laid on the floor for a few minutes, listening for the phantom to like make sure he was out of the house. And as she heard the phantom start crawling through the window to get onto the back porch. Crawling through the window. Uh-huh. Katie took off through the front door towards the neighbor's home and she banged on the doors until someone came and she was driven to the hospital immediately. Authorities were alerted. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm just not convinced on this one though because the MO so different. And it's they're like house. older. It's an older couple. You didn't even know if it was a couple or not because you just saw the guy. You didn't see the girl. Yeah. So, just like the last couple, though, the officers arrived on scene and they weren't really careful with the evidence and they walked all over everything. Of course they did. Shocking. Why wouldn't they? I mean, why would you be careful? The main piece of evidence acquired was a set of bloody footprints found next to Virgil's body, which officers had assumed happened when he stopped to admire his handiwork. Before clean, fleeing from the crime scene. Yeah, crawling through the window. Yeah. They also that. found a flashlight dropped by him. Oh. Mm-hmm. And, well, the attacker, the first one. The first one used a flashlight to blind him. Yeah. But he didn't in the other two. No. Well, actually, well, he, we he won't could, know. We won't know because they're both dead, but he probably did. Oh. Yeah. And hmm. he would have needed a flashlight in this instance because he's on a dark road in somebody's house. Yeah. Middle nowhere. So, by November 1948, the Stark murders weren't really included as being part of the Phantom's crimes due to the uh, weapon being a 22 automatic and not a 32 caliber. Well. And I'm not convinced either. Yeah. Plus the MO was different, you know, whatever. Also, like, why did this There's no make way to know. Try, why did this one make them, like, try to connect things and not the other three that were obviously yeah. the same? Yeah, why are they now like, ah, uh, this is the fourth one, but it actually has, like... Zero mm-hmm. connection, other than the flashlight. Yep. Hmm. Um, over 400 people from both Texas and Arkansas were hauled in for questioning, and just like last time, nothing. Ain't none. But I bet they were in that group. I bet you they were. Oh. By yeah. June 1946, both the Arkansas State Police and the Texas State Police, as well as the FBI, joined forces together and set up a sting operation. Task force. Task force. <laughs> Love a good sting operation. <laughs> yep. So at this point, the police knew that the Phantom was choosing a new set of victims about every three weeks, mm-hmm. and it was always a couple. So yeah. They got, they got to work planning. Two undercover officers with mannequins posed as teenagers <laughs> parked in different lovers' ways around town. What? What? Yes. <laughs> my mannequin. Did have I'm, on a, I'm on a date with my mannequin right now. Did they now. give him a little plate of chili dogs? Yeah. <laughs> 
seat of the car. Yep. That's really silly. Um, Phantom never struck <laughs> on these. Because he's not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and the Starks would actually supposedly be his last two victims. I don't think that they were his victims. I think that was something else. Yeah. The main face of the investigation was a Texas Ranger by the name of Manuel Cazazas Gonzalo Lewis. Very, very Spanish name. Where is today, Gonzalez? A.K.A. The Lone Wolf. Oh, the Lone Wolf. The Lone Ranger Wolf. He held numerous press conferences about the crimes and was very uh, comfortable talking to female reporters. And uh, he spent he a lot was of, a ladies' man. And he spent a lot of free time with them. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of tension between him and the state police because uh, he would present the findings and evidence in the press like as his own ideas and findings, which was not the case. This Texas Ranger also recruited teenage boys to sit as bait for the Phantom and had officers hide in trees or bushes ready to come to the rescue if there was an attack. What? What the fuck? Yeah. So let's put this 15-year-old in mortal danger Mm -hmm. of being murdered by a random stranger. Yep. I mean, at least, I don't know, I feel like the mannequin idea was better than this. (laughs) Uh, Because, like, how close are you going to be? Yeah. Like, how quickly can you make it to this kid if this murderer shows up? Yep. Uh. So, there are two main suspects in the case that were likely the killer. Oh! But nothing was ever proven. Tell me, tell me, tell me. The first was an 18-year-old named H.B. Tennyson, and he took his own life just two years after the murders in 1948. Curious. He even left a note confessing his responsibility in the Martin Booker and Starks murders, which were the last two. Hmm. Tennyson knew Betty Jo because they played in the school band together, but they weren't friends and didn't run in the same circle because she was popular and he was not. Hmm. This one's quite possible. Maybe he was bullied for being like less popular or he held like a grudge towards Mary Jo, had a crush on her or something. Yeah. Oh, real quick. Because I watched this movie like three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I really don't remember a whole lot from it other than that I loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, There was one scene. Have you seen it? The Mm -hmm. 2014? Yeah. The scene where the two kids are in the junkyard, uh-huh. and then the guy comes up behind, the killer comes up behind him, and he has a trombone with knives, yes. and then he he starts playing the trombone, and he stabs him yep. with the knife that's, like, taped to the end of this trombone. I thought that was pretty clever. It I liked clever. that. I think they did that as part of, like, the saxophone thing. Like, yeah. Kind of tie it to it. Exactly. But supposedly one of H.B. Tennyson's friends came forward and gave Tennyson an alibi for one of the knights and claimed that they were playing cards together the night that Mary Jo and Paul were murdered. I don't know uh, if I buy that, though. I think he was just trying to cover his friend's ass. Yeah. Hmm. Next suspect is a 29-year-old named Yul Sweeney. Yul. He was Sweeney. A- Sweeney Todd. Sweeney, Sweeney Todd. <laughs> and he was a notorious bad boy and car thief. Oh. Coincidentally, each night of the attacks, a car was stolen and then later found abandoned. By our dear old thief. Oh. Uh-huh. Sweeney's lovely hmm. partner in crime, his lady friend, was actually spotted driving one of the stolen vehicles, and they were both arrested. Oh. Kind of like um, Eileen and... Uh, and Tyria. 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 <laughs> um, so, hmm. yeah. Sweeney's girl spilled all the tea on her boo and claimed that he was the killer, but she kept changing the details in her story, and it was so inconsistent that the authorities were like, yeah, you're fucking th- full of shit. Stop it. But that's like her boyfriend? Why are you... She, she, she was trying to get out of the stolen vehicle charges. Oh, so mm-hmm. she's gonna blame 
murder boyfriend. on her boyfriend, on her boyfriend for her Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah. The only concrete evidence was that uh, Sweeney's girlfriend was able to give was that she pointed officers in the direction of some of the personal items that belonged to Mary Jo and Paul that Sweeney had hidden. But since she was so wishy-washy with her facts, that wouldn't be able to testify. Like, nobody would believe her. Huh. But she did know where these things were. Yep. Sweeney would actually be charged with Grand Theft Auto and spend almost 50 years in prison before dying there in 1994. Oh. The year of our Lord. (laughs) Alex Lewis. Yep. (laughs) A lot of people were also suspicious that Sweeney and his lady friend married a few days before they were officially arrested. Oh, the whole... um, They won't have to testify against each other. Marital privilege Privilege or whatever. Hmm. The Phantom has never been identified to this day. No. And it is probably one of the most famous unsolved crimes in Texas. Wow. Oh, that's bonkers. Yep. And uh, the town has fully embraced this history of the crimes. Of course. Every year around Halloween, they show the 1976 film, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, <laughs> in a local park town. The film was very loosely based on the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. Yeah. And the remake came out in 2014, which our dear Scarlet loves. I did. And you know, I do I don't really like scary movies. I like a good twist. I love a good suspense movie. Mm-hmm. But this one was good, and it was like filmed very well. It had yeah. a it had a few like well known horror actors mm-hmm. in it. I can't remember who they are off the top of my head, but I remember. I'm like, oh, I know that person. Yep. But it was good. I know. I recommend it. It's really good. Um, it's a good Halloween movie. Yeah, I did not see the 1976 one. I'm sure it's 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 very <laughs> 1976. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm sure it's not great. Oh, an update. On the movies that Dustin and I have been watching, one moment, we have a lot because we haven't recorded in two weeks. Oh, I know. Um, Sleepy Hollow. Ooh, it's a good one. With our boy, Johnny D. Mm-hmm. Love him. And then I watched The Ritual. I think that was on Netflix. Not great. Mm-hmm. Didn't. Not a fan. Don't watch that one. And then, of course, Hannibal. Yes. Oh, the ending of that was so disturbing. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he feeds a man's brain to himself, Yum. to the man, while he's still alive. Delicious. <laughs> oh, it was so shocking. And then we watched Smile. Have you seen that one? I don't think so. That was good. And it had a good twist, and it was still scary, but it did have a good twist. Okay. Um, not going to spoil that one, because I think it's fairly new, but it's all about a creepy smile. And then, the next case that we're going to talk about is called the scream murders mm-hmm. so i watched scream because you have to wasn't a big fan no no not scary I didn't, yeah oh. it was too like i don't know like it's, stupid it's very teenage horror movie yeah mm-hmm. not a big fan and then of course nightmare on elm street mm-hmm. halloween and friday the 13th which i will say i had never seen any of them before yeah guess which one was my favorite out of those elm yeah yeah <laughs> the nightmare on elm street was so good you know that's where some of your namesake comes from oh he's named after michael myers oh my little baby wait which one is he halloween halloween yeah uh and then we watched the fly which was <laughs> the fly was weird <laughs> that is really weird that was weird but i love jeff goldblum uh, of course you do uh, 
Oh my god. Um, well, that was fun. Yeah. Thank you for that. Enjoy spooky season, my friends. Please do. And we have an Instagram. At hashtag murderpod. Spell the whole thing out. And if you like this, give us five stars. And if you don't like us, I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, um, but we... We do need those five-star reviews on Apple because we've got some stinkers in there that have yeah, brought shits. us down a little bit, which is a little don't annoying. Don't give us one star and then don't tell us why. <laughs> well, one person did. Oh, yeah. Um, it's because you're an alcoholic. <laughs> I'm not, though. Oh, no. Like, if you would have met me in my early 20s. Then yes. Yeah. Um, but anywho. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you for hanging out. Love you. Bye. Go watch that movie. You'll love it. Don't get er murdered by an axe murderer. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Do you kill with axes? No. <laughs> but it's very spooky season. <laughs> That's true. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Murder. Episodes are written and edited by Alex Lewis and Scarlett Hipton. Our intro and outro music is written and played by Derek Branton. Our cover art is by the lovely Lauren Walker. And our name was created by the most wonderful, supportive, and super hot boyfriend, Dustin Branton. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas, you can reach us at hashtag murderpod at gmail.com. That's H-A-S-H-T-A-G murderpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell all of your friends about us. Thanks. Bye. Nightmare and all. We have to break. Mm-hmm. Hello, sir. You a good boy? He's so lovable. Oh. It was a Texas Ranger by the name of Manuel yeah. Trazazas. Hey, Newt. Yep. Okay. Oh my god. I know. You can wear proper shoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, how much is that kitty in the window? I do hope that kitty's for sale. It's very curious. Mm, so <laughs> Newton. My little high boy. Old little. Uh, Wait, uh, was what it? was his name? Hi, Bobby. He's a buddy.